Hello and welcome in, everyone. Thank you for joining us here on the inaugural episode of the Floor Slap Podcast, where we are Big Ten fans talking about Big Ten sports. I'm your host, Sean. So you're probably wondering, what is the Floor Slap? Who are these guys? And what am I getting into by listening? So just a little bit of background before we dive right in. Um, Again, my name is Sean, and along with my buddy Jordan, we operate the Floor Slap. Uh, So we both were raised in Big Ten households. We'll disclose which teams in particular at another date. But from a very young age, he and I were both really passionate about sports, passionate about college sports, and passionate about the Big Ten. So that's what we're going to be covering for you guys. Uh, I operate the Big Ten football side of things. Jordan covers Big Ten basketball. So when you hear my voice, that probably means we're going to be talking about football. So we can get right into things. With the um, 2022 season officially behind us, uh, the deadline to enter the NFL draft is done. The uh, transfer portal is all but figured out. Most major coaching changes have been done. Um, and the recruiting cycle is officially done. We passed both national signing days. Um, it really is all steam ahead for the 2023 season. So today and throughout the spring into the summer, we're going to be looking at all 14 Big Ten teams, everything you need to know, and really figuring out what the landscape of the Big Ten and landscape of college football is going to look like for 2023. So Without further ado, let's dive in. This is the Floor Slap Podcast. Man, I'm so excited to be talking about Big Ten football today. Season's only been done for about a month, and it already cannot come back soon enough. But what better way to get over the lack of football going on right now than to talk about the upcoming season? So today, throughout the spring into the summer, we're going to be looking towards the 2023 Big Ten football season. A lot of roster turnover that we're going to address. We're going to take a look at the upcoming NFL draft. We're even going to go position by position group, ranking and analyzing all 14 teams in the Big Ten. But today, we're going to start things off by looking at the coaching staffs in the Big Ten and looking at, in particular, the changes that every uh, team in the Big Ten has made. And there's a lot to cover. A few teams had massive overhauls. Some teams held tight. Some teams um, have a mess on their hands. So we're going to look at it all. We're going to go team by team and give them a one through five star rating on how their offseason has gone as it pertains to the coaching staff. Now, this isn't a one through five star rating of their coaching staff as a whole. If that was the case, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State would probably be the three five star coaching staffs. Uh, But no, we are ranking essentially the changes that they made on the coaching staff. So five star means big overhaul, lots of changes, but key additions and additions that should make an immediate on field impact for 2023 and set them up for years to come. Three-star means generally holding tight, um, keeping a good coaching staff together. There probably weren't a ton of changes you needed to make anyway if you're in that ranking. And one-star would be essentially a dumpster fire. For whatever reason, you got a mess of a coaching situation on your hands. So we're going to look at all of those situations. So let's start off on a positive note and look at the Big Ten teams that had a five-star offseason as it pertains to the coaching staff. So the first team we're going to talk about is Wisconsin, who finished 7-6 and six last year in 2022 with a win over Oklahoma State in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. But Wisconsin is kind of in a um, different position or a new position than they've really been in for the better part of the past 30 years or so. Because, you know, when you think about it, Barry Alvarez brought this program to new heights. He was the coach from 87 
up until uh, 2005. Then Brett Bielema took over. Wisconsin didn't skip a beat with him. Uh, Gary Anderson did come in for two years, but he won nine and 11 games in his two seasons. And then Paul Chris took over in 2015, and Wisconsin's been pretty steady with him. And they have you know, been in Big Ten title contention just about every single year with him. Um, so Wisconsin's been the name of the game as far as, you know, coaching stability uh, for um, really this entire modern era of college football. Um, but when you look at the past three years, they went four and three in 2020, nine and four in 2021. And then they got off to a hor- horrific start um, this this season with Paul Chris. Uh, they started two and three bad loss at home against Washington State got obliterated by Ohio State game wasn't even close after the first five minutes. Uh, so they decided they had Jim Leonard on their staff, defensive coordinator. He had a lot of interest from the NFL. So they decided to see kind of what they had in him and give him an opportunity to coach this team in the interim when they let Paul Chris go uh, the first week in October. And I think a lot of people, myself included, kind of thought when they had Jim Leonard and decided to make him the head coach that this was their guy. They got off to a great start, dominated Northwestern in his opener. Um and I, it really kind of seemed like it was just the Wisconsin thing to do to, to keep him on the staff and make him the full-time head coach. But um, Wisconsin did just kind of flamed out. And you saw a lot of the same issues that plagued him in the beginning of the year. Um, went through Jim Leonard's uh, time with time as the head coach as well. When you look at the last three games of this past year, they got handled by Iowa. They squeaked out a one-point win against Nebraska. And then they lost by seven at home um, in their senior day against their arch rival Minnesota. So it was kind of a lackluster end. And um, I think Wisconsin left this season kind of, or the regular season in a sense of turmoil, um, not really knowing kind of what direction their coaching was going to go, but they made the splash higher, not only of the big 10 off season, but um, biggest hire, I think in all of college football, getting Luke fickle over from Cincinnati to be their next head coach. Um, and obviously, he's no secret. Everyone listening should know who Luke Figgle is. He's well-respected in the college football community. He went 57-18 and 18 with Cincinnati since he took over in 2017. And he has a long history of playing and then coaching for Ohio State. So he has that Big Ten familiarity. And he really matches Wisconsin's um, culture and background perfectly. He's a defensive-minded guy. He knows how to put together a coaching staff. He knows how to recruit. But most importantly, he's not so stuck in his mind like it's got to be three yards in a cloud of dust every time they touch the ball on offense. He's willing to innovate on the offensive side of the ball. Um, he's willing to throw the ball downfield. But Cincinnati's best teams, while he was there, um, you know, boasted top 25 offenses in most metrics. So um, I think that's going to be a huge step forward for Wisconsin. And um, it's not just the addition of Luke Fickle that I love about what Wisconsin did this offseason. It's the coaches that Luke Fickle brought in. Um, and he made changes up and down the board. So let's start on the offensive side of the ball because that is where Wisconsin faced most of their problems under Paul Christ, and especially last year. Um, so their new offensive coordinator, <clears throat> he's a, <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry. Their new offensive coordinator is Phil Longo, who um, was UNC's offensive coordinator and quarterback coach for the past um, four seasons and was Ole Miss's offensive coordinator and quarterback coach from 2017 to 18. Before that, he was an offensive coordinator and position coach at a bunch of different FCS schools for 17 years, so he is a seasoned coach. Um, but what's interesting about him is he kind of carries his reputation as an air raid attack offense um, and something that's really going to push the ball downfield, but in reality, he actually consistently boasts some of the most balanced offenses in the country. At both Ole Miss and UNC, he led top 20 offenses 
And he's really great at getting playmakers in space, just getting the ball out to them and letting them get some yards after the catch. Um, But he's really, especially at UNC, he's had them among the best offenses in the entire country. Over those four seasons, UNC was first in the ACC and top five in the country in pass yards per game, pass touchdowns, pass rating, rush yards per game, and total offense. He was also third in the ACC and ninth in the country in points per game over that span. So UNC is undeniably one of the best offenses under Phil Longo, and he also really helped develop quarterbacks. Sam Howell and this year Drake May, all under the tutelage of Phil Longo, is something getting that kind of production, even half that kind of production out of the quarterback position, is something Wisconsin needs desperately. Because uh, I think that was really what was lacking under Phil Christ more so than anything. I'm sorry, Paul Christ, um, <clears throat> was that quarterback play. Um, especially when you just look at Graham Mertz's career. He had a fantastic first start against Illinois in the COVID season, I think it was. Um, but ever since then, he really kind of seems to have been taking more steps back than forward. And they just don't have anyone on that coaching staff that was able to develop the quarterbacks that they had. So bringing in someone like Phil Longo, I think, is going to unlock whole new types of potential for this Wisconsin team. And it's not just the addition of Phil Longo that I really like. Luke Fickle brought in two guys uh, from Cincinnati to fill out this offensive coaching staff that I think should mesh really well with Phil Longo. The first is Gino Guidugli, and the other one is Mike Brown. Uh, Gino was on the Cincinnati coaching staff with Luke Fickle since 2017. He was an offensive assistant, promoted to running back coach, promoted to offensive coordinator. Um, And Mike Brown was the Cincinnati wide receiver coach and passing game coordinator since 2019. And before that, he was an assistant at Liberty, Delaware, and Michigan. So he's a pretty seasoned coach as well. He played in the NFL for a few years. Um, so that, those are really the the minds behind the Cincinnati passing game, the guys that really helped coach Desmond Ritter and his group of receivers. Um, so it's just more tools to help advance this offense and get something out of the passing game, which I which I really love. And the last key addition they made on the offensive staff was the addition of Devin Spaulding to the running back coach. So he was Youngstown State's running back coach from 2020 to 2022. Before that, he was a graduate assistant at Cincinnati in 2019 under Fickle. um, And he played running back at Central Michigan from 2014 to 2018. Um, he wasn't a star or anything, had about 1,500 career yards. So he's a pretty young, up-and-coming coach, not a huge name. And if anything, this is this is the one questionable hire that I see just on paper, especially when you think of how important that running back room is to the success of Wisconsin. Like, churning out running backs and NFL-caliber running backs is in Wisconsin's DNA. So um, you'd like to see uh, kind of more, more of a household name uh, coaching these guys up, but they're returning Braylon Allen next year, who's going to be – um, one of the best running backs in the country. And I trust Luke Fickle to hire the right guy. He must have seen something in Devin Spaulding that makes him think that he can handle this room. And I'm certainly not one that's going to be questioning Luke Fickle's hires. Um, so, you know, it's definitely, definitely raises some eyebrows, but I trust Fickle to find the right guy. And I think they'll get great, uh, great production out of Braylon Allen next year. So all in all, Fickle, for being a defensive-minded guy, I think brought in some real weapons on the coaching staff to help develop this offense and get them to a, bit, a better place. Um, so these hires make them a, a really, really dangerous team, um, but they also have some changes on the defensive side. Luke Fickle also brought in two guys from his Cincinnati staff to head up this Wisconsin defense. 
Um, and these are additions that I'm really excited about also. The first is Mike Tressel. So he was key to Cincinnati's college football playoff run in 2021. Um, he was big reason why they made such a big step on the defensive side of the ball, had a top five defense. Um, and before that, he was at Michigan State as a defensive position coach back since 2007. So he was long tenured there and was a big reason why Michigan State had that defensive kind of culture that they really hung their hats on for so many years before Mel Tucker came over. Um, so he is a, a big time name, a big time hire, and I think he's going to help get Wisconsin back to their defensive stand- standards immediately. Um, along with the help of Colin Hitchler, who was defen- uh, Cincinnati defensive assistant since 2018, and he became co-defensive coordinator along with Trestle this past season. So he's a guy that gained a lot of trust from Luke Fickle, um, and he's also going to be coaching up the safeties, who, which is a, a strength of Wisconsin's, or should be for next year. Um, so I think the combination of Trestle and Hitchler coming in with the familiarity of Luke Fickle and with the familiarity of coaching with each other is going to be able to... Um, get this defense not necessarily turned around because it wasn't like Wisconsin was that bad last year, but um, it's going to get them on the on the right page uh, for 2023. And Fickle also brought over two defensive assistants from that aren't directly connected to his Cincinnati staff. The first is Matt Mitchell, who's going to be the new special teams and linebacker coach. And I really love this hire because he was actually the head coach of Grand Valley State since 2010. Before that, he was a defensive uh, defensive assistant at Grand Valley State, so he had been with them for a really long time, but he was one of the best head coaches they had in their history. He went 117 and 31 in his career, and since 2018, he's gone 40 and 8 and made the playoff every single year, and he had he's coming off of a season where they had an undefeated regular season. So he's just seen a ton of success at Grand Valley State, and I love the idea of bringing in that kind of guy to your defensive um, or just to your coaching staff in general. I think bringing in a guy that knows how to win and has won consistently um, across this big change we've seen in college football, I think can only benefit your team. And I think just getting more coaches in there who know how to win is going to help Wisconsin especially as we transition into this new Big Ten without divisions and with new teams coming in. So um, I think I love this hire, Matt Mitchell, as their new special team and linebacker coach. And the other hire they made outside of the Cincinnati um, guys coming over is Greg Scruggs. He's going to be their new defensive line coach. So he was actually the Jets defensive line coach last year. They boasted one of the best defenses in the entire league. Um, And he was Cincinnati's defensive line coach with Luke Fickle. Uh, from 2020 to 2021, again, part of that college football playoff staff. And he was Cincinnati's director of player development for two years. And that was his first major job um, after he stopped playing. He was an NFL defensive lineman from 2012 to 2015. Um, so really, all in all, I think Luke Fickle got brought in a lot of guys that are big names, a lot of guys that have familiarity with him. Um, and these guys are going to be able to maintain a dominant Wisconsin defense over Luke Fickle's um, time with Wisconsin. It'll be interesting to see how maybe a former head coach gels with the trio of Fickle, Tressel, and Hitchler, who are so familiar with each other. So, you know, if you want to stir up drama, that's something you can point to. But all in all, on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, I love the group that Luke Fickle has together. They're going to have a great defense. That's a given. And he brought in guys that can help develop this offense and develop a quarterback room. Um, I think these are we're going to see results out of Wisconsin immediately next season. And they're going to be right at the top of the Big Ten. Um, I think even once we go divisionless and it becomes even more competitive, Wisconsin's not going anywhere thanks to these hires. So 
Wisconsin definitely gets uh, five stars for me for how this offseason has gone so far on their coaching staff. So the second team we're going to talk about that had a five-star offseason for their coaching staff is going to be Nebraska. And I know that probably raises some eyebrows given how they've performed the past few years and the failure of the Scott Frost experiment. And I know Matt Rule, who's their new head coach, is kind of a punching bag now because of um, how his tenure with the Panthers went. But I really like the hire of Matt Rule, and I really like the the guys that he put around him to fill out this coaching staff. Um, and I'll get into those in a second. But first, I think it's really unfair that people are judging Matt Rule as a college coach for what he did in the NFL. Like, obviously, his Panthers tenure did not go as expected. They weren't very good. Um, but there's a reason that college coaches don't work out in the NFL most times, and it's because it's really hard. It's a completely different game, a completely different challenge, and there's a reason why Jim Harbaugh is essentially the only coach of the 21st century that has seen success in college and NFL. It's just incredibly hard to do. And I think Matt Rule fell to the same issue that plagues a lot of college coaches and in that he didn't, you know, they don't realize that in the NFL, you're coaching fully grown men who have their own families and their own children, and they're not 18 to 22 year olds. And I think that kind of hurt Matt Rule like it hurts a lot of college coaches. But let's look at Matt Rule, the college coach, not the NFL coach, but because it cannot be ignored what he's done at the college level. So Obviously, Baylor was his big um, liftoff when he had them on the doorstep of the college football playoff. Um, he was in 2017, his first season with them. He went one and eleven, but then he brought them to seven and six, and then eleven and three, and they fell to just two and seven after he left. Um, and he also did something very similar at Temple. He was their head coach from 2013 to 16. His first season, they went two and ten, but then six and four, and they went ten and four each of his final two seasons, and then they went seven and six after he left. Um, so he's done it twice, building up programs from virtually nothing. When you look at where Temple and Baylor were when he took them over, pretty similar to where Nebraska is right now. Um, he's a defensive-oriented guy, big on fundamentals, um, which, again, is something Nebraska desperately needs because their defense last year. I mean, they got some playmakers on offense, but their defense was just so, so bad. Giving up, it was like 600 yards to Georgia Southern. Um in the beginning of the year, it was it was pretty atrocious, and just the tackling. There, you see defensive backs on their heels. It's uh, it was it was horrible. And Matt Rule is going to get that fixed. So I really love Matt Rule as a hire. Um, I think he sees Nebraska as the blue blood program. It still really is for the most part, and this is not a destination job for him. I think he's going to put everything he has into rebuilding this program, getting them back not just a Big Ten title contention, but national title contention. So I'm excited to see how he does um, this year, though, because his first years at Temple and Baylor did not go great, and Nebraska has a lot of room to improvement, so we might not see it immediately this year, but I think Nebraska should be getting to a bowl game with him. Um, but enough of just him. The the staff that he surrounded himself with, I'm pretty excited about. So let's, again, start on the offensive side of the ball. His big hire for the offensive coordinator, because like I said, Matt Rule's a defensive-oriented guy. He's not going to be calling plays he brought in Marcus Satterfield from South Carolina. He was their offensive coordinator for the past two seasons. Um, he coached with Matt Rule on the Panthers as um, an offensive line coach in 2020. Um, and he has a really, really long history with Matt Rule um, going to Baylor. They coached together at Tennessee Tech, Temple, all the way back going to 2005 at Western Carolina. Um, so they're very familiar with each other. I think kind of that kind of familiarity is key when you're having a big overhaul of a staff like Nebraska is 
Um, and what I find interesting with Satterfield is he really has a strong belief in huddling, having a strong run game, and controlling the line of scrimmage. But he also loves to run a vertical attack off of that. We saw that last year with South Carolina and Spencer Rattler. The latter half of the year, they were electric. They could run the ball, but they were also dishing deep balls left and right. Um, he was criticized at points for his play calling while he was at South Carolina. Um, even last year, obviously, they had such an electric end to the year with upsets over Tennessee and Clemson, but they were just 72nd in the in college football in yards per game, and they averaged only 32 points per game. Um, but I think a lot of that frustration from the play calling came from him liking to run huddle and not trying to, um, you know, go go with tempo the entire game and um, not airing it out every single game. I think as I think SEC fan bases especially um, don't really have the patience in today's college football for that huddle and for that um, kind of controlling of the line of scrimmage. And that's what he loves to do, and I think that fits in with the Big Ten a lot better. So. Marcus Satterfield, I think, is an upgrade for the offense. Um, Scott Frost, certainly, I mean, he couldn't call plays, and when he handed them over, he was just passive-aggressive about it. So um, I think the offensive is going to be better hands with Marcus Satterfield. Matt Rule also had a few interesting hires at the skill position players, which I wanted to call out. Uh, The first, that tight end coach, Bob Wager. They, um, like Wisconsin did, they went out and got a head football coach for one of their position group coaches. He was a high school coach at Martin High in Arlington, Texas, obviously, I think being a Texas high school coach and having success like Bob Wager did, um, I think definitely carries weight even at the college level. You know the way that Texas is about their high school sports. He was also their athletic coordinator, um, but he was their coach for the past 23 years. Nebraska has 11 tight ends on on their roster. They had very little production last year. I think this is a guy who knows how to win, who knows how to connect with those younger guys like Matt Rule likes to do. Um, and this is just a football guy that you want on your team. So I like this hire. Um, they hired EJ Barthel as their new running back coach. He's a young, kind of a young up and coming coach. Um, he was the UConn's running back coach last year and Panthers offensive assistant in 2020 and 2021. He had five jobs with five different schools around the Northeast, um, from 2015 to 2019. So he's one of those guys who's trying to make a name for himself, gather up knowledge wherever he can. Um, he was a recruiting coordinator at Penn State. That's interesting. I think that'll you know help help out Nebraska in that front. Um, I guess his one claim to fame or his one resume booster is that uh, UConn went from averaging 3.2 yards per carry to 4.8 with Barthel. Um, so he, there's not a lot of, uh, I guess, resume material on Barthel that you can say, wow, he's such a great coach. But I think he's an experienced up-and-comer with high energy that's um, going to be good to just like I said, inject more energy and fuel into this program that has kind of soured out since Bo Pelini left. And then the other one is Garrett McGuire, who's their new wide receiver coach. He was a Panthers offensive assistant, again, from 2020 to to 2021. So more guys that Matt Rule is familiar with. Uh, He's another young guy. So I just think, all in all, it's good to see cohesion and familiarity throughout this coaching staff. Um, it didn't really seem like that existed with Scott Frost. There seemed to be a lot of issues with him and other assistants. So I like that Matt Rule is getting his guys and guys he's had success with before um, at various different stops throughout his career. So all in all, like like it's a very similar situation with Wisconsin. Matt Rule is a defensive-oriented guy. You know that defense is going to stand up, but he made the hires on the offensive side of the ball to um, get them to where they need to be too. So All in all, I like the changes that Matt Rule made on the offensive side of the ball. 
But let's move to the defensive side of the ball because that is where Nebraska really needs to see some improvement and really needed to get new coaches in there. So obviously Matt Rule is a defensive guy. He should help get this defense whipped into shape himself. But getting in the addition of Tony White from Syracuse, I think is the biggest hire, non-head coach hire um, of the Big Ten offseason. He was Syracuse's defensive coordinator for the past three seasons, and then he coached at Arizona State and San Diego State. Um, dating back to 2009 as a secondary coach. So he's a really seasoned coach, and he did at Syracuse exactly what he needs to do at Nebraska, and that's take a team that's virtually no good at defense and make them one of the nation's best. Um, his first year with Syracuse you know, wasn't the greatest. They gave up 464 yards per game, but um, his second and third year, they were top 30 in defense, giving, giving up less than 330 yards per game. Each of those seasons, he was a nominee for the Broyles Award this past season, um, and they've really been known for their aggressiveness. They've ranked in the top 10 nationally in defensive touchdowns the past two seasons and also limited opponents to 20 or fewer points 10 times, which um, I think you can count on probably one hand the amount of times Nebraska's done that in the past five seasons. So um, I think the combination of him and Matt Rule together can really get the can start to see results out of Nebraska as soon as this year, but this is definitely is a multi-year fix, but they will eventually get Nebraska's defense to um, those black shirt defenses you used to talk about back in the day. Um, but again, they Matt Rule also had some interesting position coach hires on the defensive side of the ball too. Terrence Knighton is their new defensive line coach. You might recognize that name because he had a seven-year career as an NFL defensive tackle. Um, and so he's tried to get into coaching since he retired in 2016. He also coached with Matt Rule on the Panthers, so there's familiarity there. They brought in a guy by the name of Rob Dvorak to be their new linebacker coach. He again coached coached with the Panthers, um, coached on the Panthers with Matt Rule, um, and he also coached with him at Baylor and Temple. So there's more familiarity there on the linebacker side. Um, and then Evan Cooper is the new secondary coach. And he's serving on rule staff for the 11th consecutive season. So obviously this defense is a multi-year fix, but Matt Rule, who's built great defenses wherever he goes for the most part, bringing in his guys and the combination of one of the best defensive assistants in the country in Tony White is really going to do wonders for this defense and should see some results as soon as next year. But of course, this defense is a multi-year fix, as I've said before. Um, so all in all, it is good to see cohesion across the board, familiarity with um, with Matt Rule, a couple splash hires in Tony White and Marcus Satterfield, and some other position coaches that seem to bring in an injection of youth and energy that um, the Nebraska coaching staff has seemed to lack since they let go of Bo Pelini. Um, so again... It, to say Nebraska is going to for sure get to a bowl game next year might be a stretch. They're, they'll certainly be in contention. They'll certainly be better than they were this year. Um, so, you know, we're not going to see Nebraska competing for the Big Ten next year or maybe the year after that. But they are certainly on the direction with these hires. And I think within the next five years, we're going to see Nebraska get back to double digit wins and be a regular um, part of the top 25. So now we're going to move on to the four star schools. Um, obviously came up just short of a five-star offseason for their coaching changes, but the few schools we're going to talk about here um, are in a really good place moving forward. So first we're going to talk about Purdue, and they, like Wisconsin and Nebraska, had big overhauls to address. This time, though, it wasn't by their own choice. Jeff Brom, 
who uh, had Nebraska, I mean, Purdue pretty much as relevant as they've been since they had Drew Brees as their quarterback, believe it or not. Um, he left for his alma mater, Louisville. And that's the main reason why Purdue didn't get a five-star offseason for the coaching staff because it's kind of hard to have your head coach and a great head coach like Jeff Brom leave you and you end up better um, than you were with him. But honestly, Purdue came probably about as close as they could have. Their replacement for Brom is Illinois defensive coordinator Ryan Walters. He was there, D.C., the past two years. He came over with Brett Bielema in 2021. Before that, he was Missouri's safety and defensive coordinator coach um, for six seasons, and then he was a position coach or graduate assistant at Memphis, North Texas, Oklahoma, Arizona, and Colorado uh, for five years before that, and he also played safety at Colorado, um, graduating in 2008. So he's a young guy, kind of up-and-coming coach with a lot of experience, and he was really integral to Illinois' defensive turnaround with Brett Bielema. Um, so comparing 2020 to 2021, which was his first season with Illinois, they went from 97th in the country to 31st in scoring defense. They went from 89th to 31st in third down defense, and they went from 114th to 52nd in total defense. And then obviously this past year became, um, one of the best defenses in the entire country. Um, and Ryan Walters also coached some good defenses at Missouri. The best one probably coming in 2019 when they gave up just 233 yards per game um, and about 19 points per game. Um, but I love this hire because it addresses the side of the ball that Purdue has struggled with so much, um, really, this entire, um, this entire century so far. Um, you know, they've always been able to contend on the offensive side of the ball. Um, they've always, you know, had quarterback depth and been able to throw the ball. And although they've had, you know, solid defensive lines and they've produced a few um, key pass rushers in the NFL, their defense just has not been up to standard, especially when you look at the rest of the Big Ten West. Those aren't a bunch of teams that are going to beat you deep. They're not um, offensive minded teams. They are defensive teams. They're teams that can kind of shut you down offensively and make every possession count. And for Purdue to pretty much be the... Um, the sore thumb in that in that side of the Big Ten has been um, it's been hard for them. So I love that they are addressing the Purdue as a as a school is addressing that side of the ball with this hire. Um, but what's even better for them is that Ryan Walters uh, brought four staffers with him from Illinois that all have very integral um, knowledge and familiarity with the conference and with the side of the conference that they are going to be playing in next year. Um, so the first one that he brought over was Kevin Kane, as, and he's going to serve as Purdue's new defensive coordinator. So he was Illinois' assistant head coach and linebacker coach the past two seasons, again, with that um, Bielema staff that came over in 2021. And then he was a, a position coach or defensive coordinator at Wisconsin, Kansas, Northern Illinois, and SMU for 11 years before that. He helped SMU enter the top 25 in two of his three years there. He helped Northern Illinois win three MAC championships. Um, and one of those championships was in 2017 when Northern Illinois had one of the best defenses in the entire country. Um, so... I think, obviously, Ryan Walters is going to have his pulse on this entire defensive side of the ball, but bringing over a, another seasoned guy like Kevin Kane is going to help a lot. They bring in Joe Deneen as the new outside linebacker coach. He was a graduate assistant for Illinois last year. He played linebacker at Kansas um, for two, from 2014 to 2018 and was first-team All-American in 2018, so 
I love bringing in, you know, players to coach these guys up, especially at the college level. I've kind of talked about it before, but bringing in guys who have been there, done that to coach um, college kids, um, I think usually leads to pretty good results. They also bring in Grant O'Brien as the new secondary coach. Um, he was Illinois safety coach, and he it was also a defensive assistant at Missouri, FIU, Arizona Christian in Northern Arizona for eight years. Um, and then um, they also bring in an offensive assistant from Illinois who I'll talk about when we talk about the, the offensive side of the coaching staff. But, um, you know, between Ryan Walters and the guy he guys he brings in from Illinois, it's a lot of famili- familiarity, a lot of guys who have – structured defensive turnarounds for another Big Ten West team and a lot of guys that have a lot of experience at a lot of different schools. So um, I love just I, I love those hires. They also bring in two other guys from outside of Illinois or Purdue. Um, Ryan Walters does. That is um, that's going to be Sam Carter, who's the new cornerback coach, and Brick Haley, who's the new defensive line coach. Brick Haley comes over from Minnesota. So again, get bringing in that Big Ten experience. I love that. Um, and Sam Carter was Ole Miss's cornerback coach last year, and he coached up the Arkansas cornerbacks um, for two years before that, and he was at Missouri uh, for three years before that. So, again, me just saying this is kind of reminds me how much experience all these guys really have. They're, they've all been at a lot of different schools, but they're all still really young coaches. Um, and Sam Carter, you know, when he was at Arkansas, they had the second most interceptions in the SEC. Last year with Ole Miss, obviously their defense wasn't great, but they were seventh in pass yards allowed in what was really a high-flying aerial attack across the SEC. Um, And I I think it's kind of interesting. You have all these Big Ten guys, but then you bring in Sam Carter with SEC experience. I think that helps. Um, So I like... I like Ryan Walters as a uh, as the head coach hire, but I love the defensive additions they made along the coaching staff. Um, but obviously, you still need you don't want to end up like Illinois really was for the majority of last year. You don't want to be scraping for points. I um, mean, you don't want to have to rely on one player like Illinois did. So, what did Purdue do on the offensive side of the ball for them to continue to score points like they have? Um, and this is where I really love the hires they made. Graham Harrell is their new offensive coordinator. Um, and I would hope, you know, for college football fans listening, you recognize that name uh, specifically for that one play when he was um, at Texas Tech as their quarterback in 2008. He was the one that threw that pass to Michael Crabtree to knock off the Longhorns with one second, le- one second left in that great game. So that's how he's most famous. Um, he was... Top five in the Heisman voting that that year, 4,000-yard passer, uh, record setter, um, really great quarterback. But he's built up his resume as a coach over the past few years. He was uh, West Virginia's offensive coordinator and quarterback coach for the past two seasons. He was USC's offensive coordinator and quarterback coach for the two seasons before that. And then he was at North Texas for a few years, and he was Washington State's wide receiver coach from 2014 to 15. So he also has gotten a lot of experience in in a very short time as a young coach. Um, And he has that air raid background from Mike Leach that kind of matches how Purdue has played um, offense really the past few years and the better part of the past decade. Um, and even though he carries that kind of air raid, um, background with him, he does run more of a balanced attack. And, um, he, so he is still very big on the run game. He isn't all 50 yard, 50 pass attempts per game. Like Mike Leach used to be. Um, he's also, you know, has proven track record of developing quarterbacks now in such a short time. He's gotten a great season. 
seasons out of JT Daniels and out of Keaton Slovis at USC in West Virginia. So I really like this hire because it just matches Purdue's identity. Um, but they also brought in a bunch of other guys to back to back him up. Matt Maddox is their new offensive line coach. He was um, UTSA's co-offensive coordinator and offensive line coach the past three seasons. He's been coaching offensive lines since 2007, and he also has other offensive coordinator or co-OC experience. Um, last year, UTSA was 14th in points per game, 50th in rush yards per game. Um, so, you know, not eye-popping numbers, but better than where Purdue was. The run game is something they really need to improve. And I think behind, with Matt Maddox, um, they can certainly get on their way. Seth Do- Doege as their new tight end coach. He was an Ole Miss analyst and was at USC before that. Um, but what's interesting about uh, Seth is that he was actually a quarterback under Mike Leach as well at Texas Tech. He was a 4,000-yard passer in 2011 and 2012. So um, it's pretty cool to see that familiarity between him and Graham Harrell, each with that Mike Leach background. Um, Lamar Connard is the new running back coach. He had coached the Miami of Ohio running backs for the past five seasons. He played defensive back um, at Purdue, though, for four years in the 90s. So um, I love when you know um, when schools bring old players back. Um, there's a few other schools that did that this year, too, in the Big Ten. Um, but really, all in all, I know the I, there aren't really splash hires on this side of the ball outside of Graham Harrell, but... Um, really, with Ryan Walters being a defensive guy and bringing so many assistants from Illinois, it's nice to see him also investing in this side of the ball and investing a lot in an offense that has the potential to continue to be high-flying like it has been in years past. Um, like I said, Graham Harrell aligns perfectly with Purdue's offensive identity, hopefully with the combo of Maddox and Connard as the offensive line and running back coaches, they can improve that run game and become more well-balanced like Graham Harrell likes his offenses to be. Um, I think all in all, these coaching staffs are going to make Purdue a more well-balanced team, offensively and defensively. Um, It's really great to have a lot of Big Ten familiarity um, on the coaching staff, Um, and there probably will come growing pains. I don't expect Purdue to be right at the top of the West as mediocre of a division that will be again next year. They may go through some uh, growing pains, but I like how they've structured that structured this staff and i think that purdue is going to be in pretty good position to consistently make bowl games and occasionally crack the top 25 um for the next five years or so as long as ryan walters wants to stick around so um four stars for purdue it sucks to lose your head coach but they recovered really nicely so purdue was actually the last of the big 10 schools that really had a, a massive overhaul to go through where we were seeing a lot of changes Um, on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. So luckily, it's actually going to be a lot quicker to move through these schools. But we got, um, despite there not being a ton of changes in these other schools, uh, we still have two others that I'm giving a four-star offseason for their coaching staff. The first one's Penn State. And this may be surprising because they actually made no changes at all. They're keeping these coaching staff together. But I'm giving them four stars instead of three, mainly because they were able to keep Um, defensive coordinator Manny Diaz. He had a great year, and there were rumors that he would entertain other offers, but the fact that he is coming back to coach what should be another great defense is a huge win for them, and all in all, this um, coaching staff staying together I think is worthy of a four-star offseason for them because they're kind of forgotten, but Penn State had a really great 2022. They gave Ohio State everything they could handle, and then dominated pretty much every other game of their season outside of Ohio State and Michigan, um, including their Rose Bowl win over a really good Utah team. 
So they should be better next year, and they should be right in the thick of the Big Ten East battle. Um, I don't know who I would say is the favorite in that division right now between them, Ohio State, and Michigan. It's that close, and Penn State's going to be that good next year. So keeping the coaching staff together um, for another season to try to go win a Big Ten championship, which would be the second under James Franklin, I think is a huge win. And next year should be their best shot at the Big Ten title uh, since the Saquon Barkley era. So if I'm a Penn State fan, I'm ecstatic that um, there weren't any changes on this staff. So next up, and the last of the four-star schools we're talking about today, is going to be Ohio State. Um, and this may come as a surprise for some because they actually lost their offensive coordinator, Kevin Wilson, uh, left to become Tulane's head coach. But despite that loss, this is actually a largely positive offseason for Ohio State's coaching staff for two main reasons. First of all is they kept Brian Hartline. Um, just like Manny Diaz is super important to Penn State right now, Brian Hartline is probably even more important to Ohio State. He has recruited and developed receivers better than pretty probably anyone else has coached and recruited any other position group across the country. He has been so integral to Ohio State's offensive success, and now he's stepping up and is um, going to be Kevin Wilson's replacement as offensive coordinator. So it's still to be determined how the play calling is going to go. Ryan Day has been calling plays since he got to Ohio State, um, and he kind of rumored that he may be giving those up, but now there's no one on the staff with Kevin Wilson gone who has play calling experience. So Brian Hartline is going to call plays throughout the spring, and then they'll see kind of entering the summer um, what direction they want to go. My anticipation is that Ryan Day will hold on to the play calling duties for this season, and then next offseason hand them off just because Brian Hartline is still so young at this. But, you know, he's a great, he ended up being a great coach when no one really thought much of him, so maybe he can come through and surprise people again. But Brian Hartline is great for the culture. He's a fan favorite, and he's going to help tremendously on the recruiting front for Ohio State now that he's recruiting for the entire offense. And um, it's just all in all that that was a win because there were rumors of him going to you know Notre Dame, Cincinnati. There were a lot of um, a lot of speculation that he may move on, but um, Ohio State holding on to Brian Hartline is a huge win. And the other reason this is a four-star offseason for Ohio State's coaching staff is the addition of James Laurinaitis coming in as a graduate assistant to coach up the linebackers. He's most famous for being one of Ohio State's all-time great linebackers, um, but he is actually coming over from Notre Dame. Uh, he was a linebacker coach with his former teammate, Marcus Freeman, at Notre Dame. Um, so although this linebacker unit doesn't need a ton of help with both Eichenberg and Steel Chambers um, returning for Ohio State along with a few um, blue chip recruits in the waiting. Um, he's just another strong culture hire. And I think this Ohio State defense is still trying to figure out their um, identity. Um, Jim Knowles made some made some good improvement his first season as defensive coordinator, but they still have a long way to go. Um, so he should just help take this defense another step forward in Knowles' second year. Um, so I think the combination of keeping Brian Hartline and promoting him and adding in James Laurinaitis um, really negates that loss of Kevin Wilson, who was a leftover from um, Urban Meyer's staff. I don't think Ohio State's staff is going to miss a beat. I think they're going to be right back in the thick of the Big Ten East race. Um, and I think they are honestly in a better position um, entering 2023 as a coaching staff um, than they were last year. So that's why they get four stars from me. And that's all the schools that had a four-star offseason as it pertains to their coaching staff. And that's actually going to do it for us here on the first ever episode of the Floor Slap Podcast. We're going to pick things back up in part two 
of the Big Ten Football Coaching Changes episode. We're going to cover all the schools that had a three-star, two-star, and even one-star offseason as it pertains to their coaching staff. So plenty more to get through um, for coaching changes and plenty more to cover throughout this winter into the spring and into the summer gearing up for the 2023 season. Um, But thank you for listening in to this first ever episode of the Floor Slap Podcast. A reminder that this is a brand new podcast, a brand new outlet for Big Ten sports. So we are really excited to continue to deliver um, new material for you guys, continue to gear up for the 2023 season, and also improve um, along along the way. So really appreciate you guys listening into this first episode. Hope you enjoyed it and hope to see you over in episode two for the rest of the Big Ten coaching changes. Thanks for listening, guys. See you all soon.